You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and right across from me, I've got Drake. It's your first time. Well, boy, did you pick a doozy of an episode to come to because we keep thinking we're at rock bottom and then we get a little lower. And Drake and I have been Florida State fans for a long time. We've talked about Florida State for a long time, and this is the worst I've ever seen it. It's the worst he's ever seen it. So we're going to do our best here to... I don't know what, what we're going to do. What are we going to do today, Drake? Are, are we going to just, it, it just kind of feels like we're sitting here on September 20th as we record this and we're already thinking about like, okay, what's next year going to look like? Because this year just ain't it. I think right now what we're going to do is basically as more as it sounds, just like an autopsy of what the season has been so far, how we've seen the team in the first three games. And also, I mean, there is some venting, some constructive criticism that we do have to do, whether it be personnel, whether it be the coaching staff, whether it be sometimes maybe to an extent the fan base as a whole. But I think, Tage, maybe we just need to vent, let it all out, get out now, so the rest of the week we can actually focus on Louisville. Yeah, no, I agree. So, folks, if, again, it's your first time here, I want to give you all a little bit of what to expect. If you've been here 100 times, you already know. Let's, let's give the people what they want. We have two segments today. We're going to play the blame game. Then we're going to probably have a deodorant commercial. Sorry, they pay the bills. And then we're going to talk about uh, what y'all are thinking with our mailbag Monday or mail mailbox Monday, I believe I called it because another outlet does a Monday mailbag and we don't like to rip off names. In fact, uh, Florida State is 1-0 since, or 0-1 uh, since our segment name started getting ripped off. But hey, we're not going to blame that on those folks. Drake, blame game. Right now, top line, who's most at fault for this loss? Dillingham. It's absolutely 100% Ken Dillingham. And I was under the impression, I think, for the beginning of the year, I think as were you for a little bit, and then I think we discussed a little bit off of air. I personally believe now I think Dillingham actually is the majority play caller heading into this year, which is kind of surprising because I think Norvell, he says he's involved in the game plan as much as he can as he is. I think he's today in his press conference. If you see, like, I think you saw his face during the Jacksonville State game, right? Where it's like, why is he doing that? Like, Dillingham's face was kind of like, you know, with like sour grapes. It's like, like ooh, yeah. like, what's going on? What am I seeing right now? So, to me, I think some of the play calling for that, like, I understand you'll get into, you know, your reasoning, what's going on behind the game. I think just some of the decision making, especially within the five yard line, or also when, you know, when Jordan Travis, you know, went out with an injury, then we got a Cole McKenzie Milton in. To me, it starts with him. I was extremely furious at Adam Fuller, but since I've had a few days to calm down, and rewatch the game not twice but three separate times. That we got to look at the offense because now, now we're having a flip flop situation um, from last year. It, right now, the offense is just not clicking at all whatsoever. Yeah, I agree. So I said on Saturday, I was like, "Look, I'm done with this team. I'm done with Mike Norvell. I'm over it." I've had a few days to think about it. Had a five hour plane ride to think about it. Got to deal with a brutal ear infection all day today to think about it just oh, because man. I you guess okay? 12 year old. Yeah, dude, I don't know. I got, got an ear infection. Uh, don't worry. I got telemedicine antibiotics were set, but good. You look at this game and it's just a perplexing game. Our offense makes offense look way too hard. They just, they have weapons. When people say, well, there's not a lot of talent left, I disagree. 
I think this team has a lot of talent on it. I think it's being used in the worst possible way. You want to throw a jump ball downfield. Why are you throwing to the guy that's Kevin Hart's height? You have three wide receivers over six foot three. And you're throwing jump balls down the field to Keyshawn Helton. That's ridiculous. Mackenzie Milton, I'm sorry. I think that's a failed experiment. I'm over it. I mean, he's fine. He's kind of a gamer, but I saw in this game why he couldn't beat Dylan Gabriel out for a job, a team that, by the way, just lost to a horrible Louisville team. I know he got hurt, but nonetheless, that team's not great either. I mean, look, you look at Milton, it's like 11 of 16, 119 yards. Those are Andy Dalton numbers. He's thrown a lot of short ones, and his two interceptions were terrible. His QB rating would have been higher if he'd literally thrown the ball into the dirt every time. He got himself a lower than baseline QB rating because of his picks. Travis, I don't know. I think the kid's a great athlete. I think he could be a phenomenal football player, but he can't stay healthy. We just saw that again. Oh, there goes the shoulder. Um, you know, what's, what's another fan favorite? Everyone, the penalties. We can't blame penalties this time. I, look. Y'all probably hate me for this because you know I'm the first one to say, well, if this play goes differently, this play goes differently. And I'm not wrong, but it's like, who cares at this point? Was that the worst roughing the kicker call ever? Yes. That was connotatively and denotatively not roughing the kicker. I don't give a shit who you are. He, the, first of all, he doesn't even touch his plant leg. The kicker leans into him butt cheek first, throws his own plant leg out, which is impressive to be able to do. I mean, that kid deserves an NBA level, all flopping trophy. Like him and Dwight Howard should take lessons from each other. And then you get that out of bounds, whatever they called it, unnecessary roughness. And I tweeted this. I knew the ref knew it was a call because he called it unnecessary roughness because referees get reviewed. I know it doesn't feel like it being a Florida state fan, but these guys work for the conference. They have a head of officiating. So when those guys go back and watch the game, if he calls that a late hit out of bounds, that's the kind of call you get an apology from the conference for. So what does he do? He calls it unnecessary roughness. Like that's just a referee looking for a flag. You take those two out, those two penalties, both 15 yard penalties. We have five penalties for 35 yards and yeah, they both extended drives, but guess what? Get another stop. Sorry. I know it sucks. You got to go back onto the field, but that's why you do cardio. That's why you do conditioning. So I don't know who to blame here. I'm kind of just mad at everyone because I don't think, I don't think any one person did a terrible job. I think a bunch of people did a sloppy job or just like were piss poor at their job, but no one was that much worse than anyone else. I feel so, like. So basically what I'm getting from you is that no one was on the same page at all for everything, or they thought the plan was failed, doomed to fail to begin with. And I kind of agree a little bit with that because the personnel choicing, that's probably number two on my list. I saw that Andrew Parchment only had five snaps. If you see his play in the Notre Dame game and also in the Jacksonville State game, there's a reason for that. So I actually commend Norvell for you know, Oh, yeah, we said last snaps. week. I was like, I don't want to see him on the field anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and but my thing is the jump ball to Keisha Helton. I said this last week. He in the slot with five-yard little outs, he's fine with that. Why are you throwing it, like you said, a jump ball to a man that's below six feet? That's not in his repertoire. That's something you shouldn't be doing. And two, great. Why are you running a QB power with a quarterback that is two and a half years removed from nearly losing a lower limb? That makes no sense to me. And also with, the, with those two drives where they get into the inside the five, Mackenzie Milton actually got them to that point. So we're not even having the discussion. So it's like, I don't 
think they understand how to make adjustments. I don't think they know how to make a game plan around the personnel that they have at all. Yeah, and that I to think, me is no value. No, I agree. I agree. So yeah, I guess I guess when I say that, what I mean is, however you want to feel about whose fault this game is, I think anyone has a rational argument for blaming players versus coaches or blaming specific coaches. Because look, you want to blame Adam Fuller. I don't think he was the worst coach on the sideline yesterday or Saturday, but I do think he let Wake Forest run 91 plays and score 35 points. You want to run blame Dillingham again. Dillingham has the office space problem. I want to sit him down. Just be like, so what would you say you do do here? here. Because we don't know. We don't know who's calling the plays. And that's a problem. The fact that we don't know who the head play caller is that Mike Norvell, here's what I'm tired of. And I, you know what? I don't even know if we may be past blame game. Now I am sick of the coach speak thank Just you give an honest answer norvell loses to a team that florida state has no business losing to i mean seriously there was a time where a bad game against wake forest just meant you only beat them by 10 and now we're getting blown out by them and his response to that right after the game is well a lot of work got, that goes invested i believe in these guys i believe in what they can do i believe in what they can accomplish just in the moment we've got to keep that say you know, i can't even read the rest of it because it's such a quote dude talk about football talk about why you ran a qb power with mckenzie milton and let him fumble it talk about why you're only running jay sean corbin and trey sean ward a combined 11 times 13 i'm sorry why does trey sean ward average eight yards a carry on six carries and you don't say let's give him 10 more and see how it goes why when jay sean corbin has the explosiveness of a freaking nuclear device are you only giving him the ball seven times? I get it. He fumbled once. Look, I think Danny Domino said it. He saw green grass. He thought about the end zone. He didn't put his hand over the ball and it got stripped. That happens to Saquon Barkley. That happens to Dalvin Cook. Give him the ball 15 more times and let him atone for that by running for another 150. Instead, Jordan Travis, you know, I'm a big fan, has 11 carries and he gets injured. Your most carrying guy is Jordan Travis. I commend him for taking the ball out of Philly's hands because He had two carries for two yards, but the personnel decisions are just confounding. So, yeah, I guess that's a long-winded way of saying I blame the coaching staff for just not using their tools well. They have the tools here, and it's like they're choosing to lose football games at this point because there's no reason this roster should lose to Wake Forest's roster unless you're freaking trying to. And you could say, hey, Max, what about six turnovers? Yeah, I'm not going to blame all six turnovers on the players. I'm sorry. Like two of them are probably the players' fault because if you don't put McKenzie Milton in that stupid running position, probably doesn't fumble the ball there. You don't try to make him throw throws. You know he can't make that well because he can't push off his plant leg the same way he used to. Probably doesn't throw both of those picks. Maybe use people for what they're actually good at, which is the job of a coach. This was my fear with Notre Dame game, which kind of I saw that a little bit there. I'm like, you know, hopefully they're able to rectify it in time for ACC play. I didn't even worry about Jacksonville State. And then Jacksonville State, seeing that, I'm like, okay, I don't think they have an understanding of their personnel. Now I know they don't have an understanding of the personnel. I don't think they know what they have in any of these kids, whether it be Ontario Wilson or Keyshawn Helton. They have they have Jordan Wilson. They're probably their their biggest tight end running these five yard outs, and he can't catch a contested pass. Hey, why don't we instead of you know running Mackenzie Milton as a QB sneak or a quarterback power? Use him as a fullback because he's a large human being will be difficult to take down. And then I want to move really quickly over to Coach Dillingham's press conference comments today. My so God, that's that's something I want to I want to hop into now. It's folks, Prize Picks is actually pretty cool. It's basically daily fantasy, but it's over under prop betting. So well, it's not betting. 
So basically you draft a team of two to five people for each one. You pick a statistical category. That player has an over under number set. And you say, if you think they'll go under or you think they'll go over it's if your guys hit you win. If they don't, you lose. It's fun. It's exciting. Get the app prize picks P R I Z E P I C K S. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. We just, you know, we made it 15 minutes. So then, you know, we got to, we got to tell the folks about, about the sponsors, but go on Drake. What were you going to say about Dilly? No, with uh, so with Dillingham today, which I, like I was saying earlier, I think is the opposite problem where if we don't get enough coach speak, the man literally admitted in a press conference that, Oh, they have never, ever played exclusively this much man coverage at all whatsoever. And we weren't prepared for that. I understand that you get paid $675,000 to coordinate an offense of a game that is mainly played by kids and young adults. Your job is to make those adjustments when you see them, especially because historically per Cam Lemons DeBro, Wake Forest plays a lot of man coverage. You should also understand they play to FCS opponents their first two weeks of the two weeks of the year. So they aren't showing everything. And they also mainly tried newer things. I don't know how in the hell you're able to stand up there and admit, I don't know how to do my job because that's literally what I heard from him. Max. Well, yeah, I think it's bizarre. I mean, that it's, was it's one weird. of the strangest it's just comments. Weird. Here's the other thing a team like Wake Forest. And I know this is going to sound like, oh, we'll stop living in the 90s. Guys, I'm not living in the 90s. We won a national championship eight years ago. We made it to the playoffs seven years ago. Six years ago, we won a new, we lost a New Year's Six Bowl. Five years ago, five years, we won a New Year's Six Bowl. So don't act like I'm trying to harken back to I'm not a Nebraska commentator. I'm not over here at, no offense, guys, locked on Huskers like, yeah, well, Nebraska should be. Now, that was 25 years ago. We were talking about within the time a treasury bond hasn't even reached maturity yet. And now Wake Forest playing man-to-man coverage throws you off? There is no reason. Wake Forest th- playing man-to-man coverage almost exclusively shouldn't be a gift from God. You're Florida State. If Wake Forest tries to go man-to-man on you, that should be a 42 to seven victory. Your athletes should be better than their athletes. And you just got dominated by a team that has a 10th of the students you have. Wake Forest is the smallest school in the football bowl subdivision. And you just got on television or YouTube, whatever it's streamed on and admitted that at $675,000, you are unable to coach your athletes to out-athlete one of the historically worst football teams in the entire conference. Why is he not being handed a pink slip? I, I, I actually, it's funny. I was replying to someone because we're going to get to mailbag in the mailbag who was like, yeah, maybe I don't blame the coaches as much. It feels like the players don't execute. And I was like, you know, I get that. I think a lot of people want a sacrificial lamb and they just want to see a head roll. And it, like you said about Fuller, the stats aren't there. Dillingham doesn't even... It, allegedly isn't even a full play caller. So we're paying a guy three quarters of a million dollars to not be a play caller. Apparently he can't do anything if it's not exactly on his little plan that he comes up with before. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to cut myself off for the sake of brevity. I will say, so we can just, you know, end it right there that that's my problem with Norvelson state one. We all heard the rumors, the story that he came into the interview with binders on binders on binders with all these plans. Right. 
and I hate I hate this old saying, but I think it's really apt for this moment right now. Everyone has a plan until they're punched in the mouth, right? And to me, it seems that his plan A and then his plan B aren't working. So if you see in these press conferences or even in the game, he does this face where he's like, he's like trying to calm himself down, try to figure, and you can see like the fumes from his head, just like trying to figure something to do. And you've seen yeah. this press conference today where, okay, I've had a speech disorder since I was like five. I wasn't speech therapy until I was 16. I know when someone's nervous and doesn't have an answer immediately, when you start stammering and stuttering. And you can notice that, especially right now with Coach Norvell up there on the podium. And to me, I don't care how organized you are, you need to be able to answer these questions, have a plan for your plan for your plan. Because some, especially in this profession, in this sport, your number one option, most likely, is not going to work out most of the time. The stat that sticks out to me, Wake Forest doubled our time of possession. We let the Demon Deacons hold the ball for 40 minutes to our 20. That's embarrassing. It's humiliating, and it's just an utter disgrace to Florida State football. 27 first downs, no excuse for that. We had, what did we have, 16? 16. 16 first downs to their 27. We ran 51 plays to their 89. It was, this is the worst. This is the worst thing I've ever seen on a football field. And I said before, Wake Forest is the Florida State coach killer. You lose an embarrassing loss to Wake Forest, you lose your job. It's that simple. Mike Norvell can't be fired yet. I hope he doesn't have to be. Maybe he can turn it around, but he's got to evaluate based on what he's seeing. Because to my earlier point where I just said they don't evaluate what's happening on the game, why when guys are running for eight yards to carry, do you hand the ball to someone else? Why when a guy has one catch for 10 yards that was a great catch, do you not go to him more often and instead try to throw jump balls to Keyshawn Helton? This staff has to learn how to see someone having a good game and play to that strength. Because if they don't figure out how to do that, we're f- That's a very, very kind way to put it. There's going to be a lot of bleeps in this one. But folks, if you don't want to have a lot of bleeps in your life, <laughs> let me tell you about sweat block. Get it? Because you won't be looking good. Oh, sh-. Need to sweat block. Sweat block's great. I use it every week. On Sunday night, I just, I get out of the shower. I hit the sweat block. Monday morning, hit the shower after the gym. And it's a noticeable difference. I sweat a lot less. This past weekend, I was out in Arizona playing golf, played TBC Scottsdale, didn't have my best day, played uh, True North and had a phenomenal day. But regardless, I wasn't sweating like all the other guys out there, which I think helped me stay focused. So check it out. Sweat block's great. And when you've taken care of your sweating, take care of your stomach next. Built Bar. Not much to say about this, guys. It's delicious. It's nutritious. It's got 17 to 19 grams of protein. It's got like five grams of carbs. It's got five grams of sugar. It is a wonderful treat that will keep you going, keep you fueled by Built Bar. Use promo code LOCK15. You guys got this. Also, Sweatblocks on Amazon, CVS, sweatblock.com, promo code locked on. All right. So a lot of these came into my Instagram DMs or because I post something on my story or my Twitter DMs. So I, I don't, I'm not going to put people's full names out there, but here's probably my favorite. I think we need to hire Dion or someone with status before this becomes a decade-long problem. Our offensive line's garbage. We play undisciplined football in all three phases. We got walk-ons outperforming scholarship guys, and Travis looks one drive away from a season-ending injury. You want me to do this one first? Yeah, well, yeah, go for it, man. Yeah, that's never going to happen. The moment you hire Dion Sanders to coach the football here at this time you're, is the last time you should ever take him as a serious candidate for actually competitive football. I say that mainly because not against anything against Dion. Dion hasn't been a head coach at the collegiate, whether it be 
FBS, FCS, Division II for a very, very long time. I know the appeal is there because the star power, he's a former great, he's a legend here. He's the reason why we became DBU. But he's only been at Jackson State for, I want to say, a year and a half, maybe two years. I think his overall record right now is five and six. That's not, the, that's not going to get the job done right now if you wanted to move on from Coach Norvell. Me personally, I'm done with Coach Norvell at the, at the moment. My hope is gone. My hope is lost. He can bring me back. But as of right now, I don't think he's the guy. But neither is Dion. Dion does nothing to fix the state of, state of affairs that we have right now with the program, with the team. So right now, you, everyone needs to stop discussing that because it makes us more of a laughing stock than anything else. Because if you want a former player to come back and coach us there, you have Nebraska with Scott Frost, same problem. Yeah, Drake, I agree with you on the Deion Sanders, probably for some different reasons. I don't love the way he kind of talks about some of his own players in the media. I, I don't, I think there's a lot of pomp and circumstance with Deion Sanders that while I see where the appeal could be, I also think it can be a negative. Finally, you know, we've seen this with Jimbo. We've now seen it with Norvell. Stubbornness is not a great trait in a head coach sometimes. So I don't know if Deion would have that, you know, if he'd have the ability to make changes, right? That being said, I think the valid point of this comment or question is that if Mike Norvell ends up not being the guy next year, we've got to go for a bigger name. We've got to go for someone that, you know, like, sorry for saying this, a Dan Mullen, where that was another guy in your own conference who'd had success and you went and stole him from Mississippi State. Like, we need to go get someone that is well known, not someone that we're rolling the dice on. And I think we could. Here's why. We got rid of Willie Taggart after 21 games. It was well-documented all across the media that that made other coaches not want to take the job, right? Why do you want to go work at a place where you're only going to get 21 games to turn around a dumpster fire? But if we give Mike Norvell three years, and then on top of that, you've hopefully made the right decision at athletic director and hired someone good, you know, maybe someone that's currently affiliated with the football program that everyone knows would do a great job. And you've let Mike Norvell, who... We have huge issues with his game planning, but I think he's a good program builder. I think he's an organized person. I think he's infrastructurally, and I said this on Tampa 10, cleaned up a lot of what Willie Taggart screwed up. I think this is a much more appealing job for a high caliber coach. Um, I, I kind of disagree a little bit with the infrastructure thing because mainly he's only been here for, I think that's more to like a Bruce Warwick, more to a Michael Alford, more to Adam finally understanding that we can't get by and be a big-time blooper program being cheap. So I think that's a lot more with that. I mean, them hiring Norvell and also allowing him somewhat more of a power, now, albeit not to full extent, a.k.a. look at our D.C., it should be Dan Lanning, not the guy that's there right now. My thing, I think I do agree with you, though. Be I think we not after year three. I think after year four, because the buyout will be significantly smaller. Two, I think we'll, we'll already have the Wooly Tiger buyout already completely done by that point. You can probably see, like, okay, this is a long-term rebuild. His guys are coming in here. And if he starts off, you know, what, three and two, maybe two and three, you cut the cord there, and then you go for someone that actually really won a job the first time. Really won the second time so much so that he didn't interview for this job he currently is at right now because he really was waiting on a phone call from us. And you snag him. And because you know damn sure he's not staying over out there in Mississippi. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And we can give whoever we want the credit, but it's it'll be a more appealing job. Four years, man, sounds terrifying to me. Like, you know, and then I wonder, you know, do you have a Clay Helton situation where you basically just 
you know, they were just waiting for Clay Helton to do something that they could kind of point the finger at because they didn't want to lose that recruiting class last year. I, I don't know, but I think there's merit to the question. So next one we've got, oh man, this one's rough. It's all about the one. It's the same as Taggart. Different coach, same kids. They got to want to play for FSU. It's now given, not earned. They were in middle school when we won a national championship and they all act like they started in the game. Yeah, I don't hate that take. I don't think they're being used well, but I don't think, and I read that by the way, there was more context to it, but I had to censor it. Um, that isn't a way of saying, oh, these are Taggart's kids, so Norvell shouldn't be blamed. That's saying we now have two head coaches and all the kids, both of them have brought in, have this weird entitlement where it's like, they don't seem to want to win football games. Now, I don't know who to blame that on, but I don't think it's wrong. I watched that game and like that team just didn't seem to, like you keep waiting for that moment, right, Drake, where it's like, is this going to be the moment where they just go, hey, let's not lose this football game. Like how many of those moments did we see with Jameis Winston where you could just tell when the switch clicked when we were down by 14 and you knew he wasn't going to let us lose that football game? I mean, and it was just, just none of that on the field. It wasn't just him. I mean, you can look towards it players like you know, Jalen Ramsey, Lamarcus, Lamarcus Joyner, Dalvin Cook. Like they went out there trying to win every single damn game. I would even go far as back as some of Jimbo's players because remember, a lot of those kids they came in, we were at the peak of our power, right? Right. So they came in with the promise and the allure that we're going to continue this ball rolling. And then, no offense, Jimbo left in the dead of night. You know, he resigned. He went over Texas A and M. Tyler comes in, you know, we have this big, huge, huge, who rah, rah moment. He's gone after literally a year and a half. And then you go with Norvell, who, no offense, man, like, I'm probably the biggest offender in a group of five coaching and teams. Your biggest claim to fame is winning the American once, and that's after the star quarterback for the other team that was already running the conference breaks their leg. So it's kind of like, also, it's like, it's really difficult. I, I do agree that these kids are kind of playing to a point where, they're playing as if they're owed something as like, you know, they were the ones that built this. And I don't think they understand that. I don't know whether that's a maturity level or that's something that's being miscommunicated by the coaching staff, but there definitely is a disconnect between the two. Yeah, totally agree, man. Totally agree. I wish we had some more disagreement on that, but I do not understand where it comes from. I don't know if it's with Jimbo. We didn't have enough five stars, right? So at Alabama, you have so many that if you have that attitude, someone will steal your spot. And they were, you know, we had to rely on too many people. I, I don't know. I don't want to go back eight years. The point is, I don't know how much longer we're going to keep our good players engaged if we keep playing like this. Because Jermaine Johnson is the best player on our team by far. And if you're him, you, you got to think like, look, it's a business decision. He came here as a business decision. Do we hit a point where it goes, well, He's got enough on tape, and why is he going to go out there and risk injury for a team who the linebackers behind him apparently can't stop a run to save their lives? The best linebacker is, I guess I don't want to call a kid out, but y'all know who I'm talking about. I don't think he's very good. I think he's probably the only one, though, on the field that actually cares if Florida State wins or loses. So I don't know. How long, do, how long does Kier Thomas keep banging his head against the wall, being you know the second or third best player on defense when he knows – he just needs a little bit of tape and he can probably get on an NFL roster and make some money off of it. It just, that's what freaks me out about our defense. I don't think you actually have that problem with these kids. I also, that's why I don't have, I don't think you have the problem with the kids coming in mainly because from everything that I'm hearing, a lot of the kids that are committed in the class right now kind of understand. And that's, this is the one thing I will give Norvell over the past, you know, few months 
that he's kind of illustrated the fact that, hey, our roster right now is in desperate, desperate need of a full-blown makeover. You're seeing him right now with the transfers. There's, there's, a, there's a reason why our best players right now, mainly, are kids that were not recruited under Tag or Jimbo or they were transferred in. There's a reason for that. And with, like, your fears like a Jermaine Johnson and Kier Thomas, from all accounts, apparently Jermaine Johnson right now is the one cultivating that culture in that locker room for the, specifically his position group. I know Mackenzie Milne didn't have a great game the other day, but he's still sitting down there and talking with Jordan Travis, with Ochoa Purdy. So I'm not worried as much as you, you know, kids like, you know, checking out. But, I mean, if, if that's the case, though, like, I don't think you see these kids opt out because for two reasons, neither Kier Thomas or Jermaine Johnson have enough tape at the SEC level to justify leaving. And that's another position group right there that for them being selfish, that means they had to get to the quarterback. So I'm not specifically worried about that, but I get you, I get your point where you're afraid of kids checking out. Yeah, exactly. And it's nothing on those two. I think what they've done this season is great. I just, you got to worry about that with anyone. Last question, and I'm not going to answer this one. I'm going to save it for tomorrow is, is this the biggest fall from grace in the history of college football? Here's the thing. Like I said, I was at a bachelor party this weekend. There was a quick turnaround. Scott Sale played two rounds of golf. Ear infection today has been killing me. I haven't had a chance to look this up, but I want to give this question a better answer than how I feel because I am genuinely curious about like a team that, you know, played or won a national championship, what the records have been in the following eight years. And if in the past 30 or so years, we have the worst next eight years after anyone that's won a national championship because we've got to be in contention, but I just want to actually run the numbers and see if it backs up how I feel. Folks, thanks for hanging out today. Hopefully you are getting over the blame game and us playing it today helps you a little bit uh, get through it. We've got Louisville to look forward to this weekend. We're going to have some guests on for our Know Your Foe segment later in the week. Dave and I are going to be hanging out, doing some game preview tomorrow, I believe. And yeah, we're going to we're going to get through this. I promise. The night is always darkest before the dawn. Unfortunately, it's a little darker than we expected. But you have us. We have you. And I know that if we're together, we'll get through it. I'm sure of it. Drake, sure. Allie, sure. Stacy, sure. And with that, I'll leave you. I'm Max. That was Drake. And this was Locked on Seminoles. Take care, everybody. And let's stop saying we're raw bottom. Because every time we say that, we find a new low. Take care. And have a great, great rest of your week. Feels like a set tweet. I'll, I'll cut it out. We're not there yet, guys. If you can always no. if you, if you-